Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Esther chapter 4, beginning at verse 14, and amen, would you honor God and stand for the reading of his word. Amen, we're here um, in worship today, gathered together as we do every Sunday, but today is different because we're celebrating the elevation of Pastor Ananias' word, Amen. To overseer uh, in the Kairos Fellowship of Churches. Kairos is the fellowship I've been graced to oversee and to be consecrated as the presiding bishop of. And um, Pastor Word was a part of that vote. Amen. That because of COVID took place over Zoom, but we brought together the pastors that I cover and they voted and he was there and he and his wife came and traveled to Florida for our consecration and we're grateful to God to have him and his lovely wife. Amen. Amen. His traveling companion. Praise God. Amen. Is with him today. And so we're grateful to God that they're here. And we celebrate what God is doing in his life. And uh, for the sake of time and for the benefit of brevity, I'm going to just lift one verse in your hearing. And I'm going to try try my best to uh, say what God would say. Amen. Esther chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. When you have it, won't you say, I've got it. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows? Whether or not you have attained royalty, the King James says, come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Look at your neighbor and declare my subject for me. Say, neighbor, this is your moment. Amen. Give God glory. You may be seated. Life, whether you know it or not, beloved, can be boiled down to a series of decisions, or better yet, a series of moments. Those moments are connected together over the span of your life, and they are collectively used to determine the course of your life. But in the midst of those man-made and often mitigated moments, God intervenes in our lives. And creates in our lives what we know as God moments. Yeah, the Greeks got a hold to this philosophy, to this thought process. And they began to understand that there are two different types of moments. There are chronos moments. Moments that pass like seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, and years. 
But then outside of chronos, outside of the time that can be counted on your chronograph or your watch, outside of the chronos moments, the Greeks introduced us to the concept of a kairos moment. And the kairos moment is a moment that is not dictated by what's on your watch. The kairos moment does not care what date you circled on your planner. The Kairos moment is not subject to your calendar, but the Kairos moment is the God-appointed right moment in time. That's why Grandmama got a hold to it. She didn't know Greek. She didn't, wasn't acquainted with philosophy, but Grandmama understood Kairos timing. Because when she would talk about the Lord, Dree, she would say, he may not come when you want him. But he'll be there right on time. Why? Because he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Grandmama was teaching us something deep and theological because she wanted us to understand that because of God's Kairos timing, whenever he shows up, he's right on time. It might be late for you because it's outside of your control. It might be late for you because the bill due date has passed. It might be late for you because your spouse has said they're through with you. But at the end of the day, whenever God shows up in that situation, it's never too late. You can ask J. Iris about that. He understands a Kairos moment because when he went to go find Jesus and go get a miracle for his sick daughter, the sick daughter became the dead daughter, but death meant nothing to Jesus because he had power over life death and the grave. He says, look here, I can call your daughter J. Iris back to life. As a matter of fact, she looks dead, but she's only asleep. And uh, Jesus taught us about Kairos when he waited three days after Lazarus had died. He waited for three days until the body began to odor and stink. And when he walked up on the grave in Kairos time, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up like a newborn baby, fresh out the grave. And the only command left was to loose him and to let him go. God works in Kairos time. And Kairos time is so great and it is so awesome because it allows God to say, I don't have to be concerned with your schedule. Uh, that means that emergencies to you are not emergencies to God. Things that you're stressing out about, things that you're concerned about. God says, I'm not concerned about those things. You have a deadline. You have a timetable. You're tired. You're frustrated. You feel like quitting. You feel like walking away. But God says, in Kairos time, I don't have to move based on your frustrations. And aren't we glad that God, uh, let me pause there parenthetically and insert this. Aren't we glad? That God does not respond to our frustration and to our time. Because if God moved like we wanted him to move, when we asked him to move, we would have missed out on so many opportunities. As a matter of fact, some of y'all can look at your life now and think about a relationship you asked God for. Think about a, a job you asked God for. Think about a situation you asked God to fix. And had he answered your prayer in your timing the way you wanted to, you'd be stuck with something terrible. But because he told you no and said and I'm not going to give that to you you now have a blessing that you can shout about because God does not respond to your time yeah he says look life is a series of moments it's a series of moments and in the course of your life God will insert into that series of moments a kairos moment uh, but the wonderful thing about a kairos moment is that Although it is a moment where God has orchestrated the affairs of your life to bring you to the perfect opportunity to fulfill your purpose. In that Kairos moment, it is contingent upon you making a decision to say yes to God. Yeah. 
Kairos timing is activated by your obedience to your assignment. Yeah, God does not just give Kairos moments to any kind of people. You have to have purpose to walk into a Kairos moment. And when God gives you that moment, you have to honor it and activate that moment by saying yes to him. When Kairos comes, are you ready? That's, that's why you can't take forever trying to learn what your purpose is and what God has called you to do because you need to be spending time preparing for that Kairos moment. When opportunity knocks, when the, when the call comes, are you going to be ready for the call? So many people have messed up destiny and missed out on purpose because when purpose called, they were not ready to answer. Yeah, you wanted to practice when it was time to step on stage and let the anointing flow. You need to be walking in it now. You hear what I'm saying? The Kairos moment is activated by your obedience to your purpose. So in the Kairos moment, God is going to present you with an opportunity to say yes to him. That's what's happening in our text. The Bible introduces us by way of context to a young woman named Esther who is a prisoner in the Persian Empire. While she's a prisoner there, she finds herself favored because she becomes the new wife of the recently divorced king. And in this position of favor and honor, the Bible says that the king developed a fondness for her that he did not have for his previous wife. And this favor that was on Esther's life allowed her to have the ear of the king in a way that no woman before her had had his ear. And in the midst of this, the Bible declares that there comes a plot to destroy the Jewish people. Well, Bishop, why is that important? Because Esther, unbeknownst to the king and to the rest of the court, was a Jew. But there was a wicked man in the kingdom by the name of Haman who wanted to see all of the Jews destroyed. And because of his position, the Bible says that he had enacted a plot to see all of the Jews in the kingdom killed. And the Bible says that Esther's cousin Mordecai comes to Esther and says, Look, daughter, God has granted you position. He's allowed you to be increased. He's allowed you to have favor. He's allowed you to have opportunity. But you can't use your opportunity only to better yourself. Y'all can't hear me. Uh, yeah, when God blesses you to come up, you can't just use it as a come up for yourself. Let me pause there parenthetically and insert that the reason why many of you cannot be elevated is because God knows that when you go to the next level, you're going to pull the stairs up behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to pull the ladder up on the fire escape. Uh, but God says, when I bless people, I don't bless them so that they can be blessed. When I when I increase them, I don't increase them so that they can be increased. When I when I when I put people on another level, I don't do it for another level's sake. But I do it so that they can be blessed to be a blessing. So that they can position other people. And sometimes we're wondering why we haven't had big doors open. It's because you're selfish and you don't know how to keep the door open when you walk through it. But if God knows that he can get a blessing through you, he'll always make sure he can get a blessing to you. He tells Esther, you've been blessed, daughter. You've been positioned in the kingdom. And now our people are in danger. And God has positioned you. To do something about us. Esther, this is your moment. 
This is the time where you have an opportunity to say yes to God. And what happens is Esther goes and starts thinking about self-preservation. She says, look here, cuz, I appreciate you now. Uh, matter of fact, wouldn't be in the kingdom if it weren't for you. She says, but uh, I ain't trying to do that because in order for me to do what you want me to do, I've got to go into the king's presence without permission. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't give you this by context. Let me explain. The reason why the law had been passed that no one could enter into the king's presence without permission is because the last time he asked for somebody to come, his ex-wife, she did not come when he asked her. And so because he was so frustrated and hurt, like many men are, they don't know how to deal with their pain. They take it out on everybody after them. So he says, even though she's gone, can't nobody come in my presence unless I say so. So Esther's saying, uh, Mordecai, you want me to do what got the last one put out with my new position. Yeah, yeah. I just got here. Ain't never had money like this before. Ain't never lived in anything this nice before. I'm, I'm, I'm riding nice. They calling me your majesty. But you want me to put my position in jeopardy by doing something that got the last person in my position kicked out. And Mordecai tells Esther, she says, look, because uh, I'm not doing that. Mordecai said, let, let me explain to you why it is that you are blessed. Uh, it is interesting. I'll insert this. Uh, it, it's not in my notes, but I, I, I think you should know this. Esther is the only book in the entirety of Scripture where the name of God is not mentioned at all. God is not mentioned explicitly by name in the book of Esther at all. The reason why it's included in the canon is because you can see the providential hand of God moving in the life of Esther. It's almost as if the Jews knew that God was at work, even though they couldn't see him in the pages. <laughs> uh, I don't have time to deal with that, but some of you knew God was there, even though you couldn't see him. Uh, he, he, tells, he, he, he tells Esther, he says, look, uh, I, I know you think that you're safe because the king liked you a little bit. But the only reason why the king likes you is because the king likes you. Yeah. The, the only reason why you have favor with that king is because you've got favor with this king. And see, the problem with many of us is we'll jeopardize favor with this king so that we can keep favor with this king. But God says, if you want to stay in your position of favor, you got to make sure that you keep your favor right with me. Because the Bible says when a man's or woman's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. God says, look, Esther, or Mordecai tells Esther, he says, look, the only reason why you're here is because God has put you here. And if you think that you're going to get away scot-free because you light-skinned enough to pretend like you're white, you and your daddy's house are going to be destroyed. God, help me. He said, but deliverance for us will rise from another place. Yeah. See, this is what you have to understand about purpose. You can try to be disobedient 
Walk away from it if you want to. God is not going to hold his people hostage based on your obedience. Your obedience has something to do with you. Has nothing to do with the people of God. Can I help you? Because we live in a society now where uh, we have gospel artists and preachers and prophets who look at their lives and say, I'm able to live a certain kind of way. But when I come on stage, God still shows up. When I preach, God still moves. When I sing, God still does. God does what he does for his people because of his people. It has nothing to do with you. Your life can be filthy, and if people don't know it, they'll still be ushered into the presence of God. What happens to you is your soul is punished for eternity when you see God if you are not living in a way that is pleasing to him. The Bible says there will be many in that day that will say, I prophesied in your name. I preached in your name. I taught in your name. I cast out devils and did great works in your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because you are a worker. You habitually practice iniquity. The Bible says that God sent the disciples out two by two, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out devils, and Judas was among them. Let me help you now. The word among in the Greek text means operating amongst. Doesn't mean like uh, Judas was out there holding coats. Judas had oil in his hand, was hook of Messiah, casting devils out. Oh, ain't he all right? He was preaching and teaching with them. And the Bible calls him a devil. You don't hear what I'm saying? Your position has nothing to do with what you're going to get from God. It has to do with your obedience to God. You hear what I'm saying? You've got to obey him. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. You hear what I'm saying? So he tells us, he says, look, you can be silent if you want to. Uh, if you feel like being quiet, you can do that. But don't worry about God's people. We're going to be all right. <laughs> uh, God's going to take care of his own. Uh, but... But, but you and your daddy's house, God help me. Uh, not just you, but your entire legacy is going to be wiped out. He said, but think about this, S. Could it be God has brought you into the kingdom for this moment? Yeah, I, I know that you were wondering why he liked you. You weren't even the prettiest girl in the line. Uh, you didn't have all the gifts and other stuff. You're not Babylonian. You didn't know the culture. You couldn't recognize the art. You couldn't tell him where the mall was in town. Uh, you couldn't drive him no place because you're not from around here. You don't know why you got here. You don't know why you're standing in this moment. You don't know why God placed you here. But could it be that in the providence of God, he understood that this crisis was coming? And he positioned you here for such a time as this. God, can I talk about the times we're in? I mean, my God, if we look at 2020, I know we're in the home stretch of the year, but the last 12 months have been crazy. Oh, God, we have political unrest. We have racial unrest. We have ecclesiastical unrest. Even within the kingdom, people are lying and fighting against each other. Financially, people are struggling. Churches are shutting down. But could it be, Ananias? That God has brought you to the kingdom. God, help me. For this time. This, this is a crazy time to be called into ministry. 
I believe that the mega church age is coming to an end. The glamour of ministry is coming to an end because we're raising and preaching to an honorless generation. I was reading on the news. It, it was in Vanity Fair magazine. I was reading in the news about a pastor that recently uh, was terminated from his church. And this was not the reason why he was terminated, but in conjunction with the reasons for termination, they allowed his staff and volunteers to lodge complaints against him. I know you think you know where I'm going, but you don't. They, 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 they were lodging Ananias complaints against the pastor that did not coerce or proselytize them, the pastor they chose to follow. Out of all the churches in that city, in that state, they chose that church. Asked and signed up to volunteer in that church. And here's the complaint, Michelle, uh, that they had against the pastor, Johnny, that they chose to follow. Uh, they said, he asks us to babysit his children. And only pays us $150 when we do it. One day, his shirt was wrinkled before he walked out on stage to preach. And because he was still writing his notes, he asked me to iron it. He asked me to park his car. He asked me to help him carry it. But these were for real complaints in Vanity Fair magazine. And they said, they call it honor, but honor is one thing. Taking advantage is something else. And me and my wife are talking about the story. I'm trying to find out what's wrong. But the problem is, hear me, we've been called into a time where honor is seen as abuse because you have people that don't honor anybody. You got a generation of folk that'll get smart with their mother and father, and you wonder why they won't respect you as a pastor. We are raising an honorless generation. The Bible says, and there arose a generation that knew not the Lord, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. The problem is your eyes can't determine what's right. You need a prophet. You need a seer. You need somebody to stand in front of you and to tell you what's right. But we're called into an honorless time. When you put these colors on, when Gianni comes and he puts these vestments upon you, it's not an elevation as much as it is a death sentence because you are living and leading in an honorless generation. When you wear your civic attire, when you drop that cross in your pocket. That's why I tell people, wear the cord as long as you can because this chain is a shackle. There's no such thing as an ex-bishop. There's no such thing. You can be a former pastor. You can used to be a minister. There's a lot of used to be. As a matter of fact, there's some currents that need to become used to be. But you can't be an ex-bishop. When you put on the garments of oversight, when we put that ring on your finger, that means that you are married to the church. But the church is full of fickle people, so we got a fickle church. And all of these things that we do in church, they don't matter to those people, but we've got to teach them to make it significant. We've got to teach them how to honor. And the reason why many of us can't be blessed in this generation is because God shuts heaven over people who don't honor. 
But we want the people of God to be blessed, so we've got to teach them how to honor folk. I don't trip over this call me bishop stuff. But God said that's not your office. That is an office of the church. You need to teach your people how to honor that office. My mama named me Josh. I don't care if you call me Josh, but God does. Because you don't like Trump, but you wouldn't call him Donald if he walked up in here. He'd be Mr. President. And if he being evil can get your respect, okay. You make pastors and their wives and their children fight with you. Over the respect that God says you could give them. That you should give them. You hear what I'm saying? You've been called into the kingdom at a weird time. At a time where people go to jail for fighting dogs but go home with pay for killing black folk. You, you, you've been called into the kingdom at an odd time. A time where God is calling us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together but the CDC and the government is telling us to stay home and not meet. You've been called into the kingdom at an awkward time. A time where people feel like they can love God and remake him in their own image. A God that understands and condones sin. A God that winks his eye at iniquity. You've been called into the kingdom at an odd time. But you've got to understand, and I'm through now, that if God has called you into the kingdom for this time, then he's properly prepared you. He's uniquely gifted you. For this time. I'm finished now. I, but I'm reminded of a story my father used to tell. <coughs> my daddy said, uh, old preacher would tell the story of a man who was driving in a rainstorm. He was driving in the rainstorm and uh, he had a brand new truck truck in the rainstorm because he was driving it in rear wheel drive slid and ended up in the ditch and because the man had never owned a truck before he says uh, man never owned a truck before he calls AAA calls for a tow truck to pull him out of the ditch he waits there for hours he's upset doesn't know what he's going to do he's frantic New truck is in the ditch. It's going to cost him a fortune to get it pulled out. Doesn't know what damage there is to the truck. My father would say, the tow truck driver gets there, looks at the truck, and uh, the man says, where do you want me to, to stand so you can hook it up? He said, sir, may I look inside your truck? And he says, sure. He gets in the truck and says, sir, although you had this truck set to rear-wheel rear drive, this is a four-wheel drive truck. All you have to do is change the setting. And the truck has been engineered to pull itself out of the ditch. He says, I don't believe you. He said, well, let's try it. He turns on the truck, puts the truck in four-wheel drive mode, presses on the gas. The truck climbs out of the ditch. Uh, the man gets on the road, and he's excited. But he asks the man a question. He says, uh... How did they get this car to do that? How did you know that this setting, rather, would pull the car out of the ditch? He said, well, 
when Ford was designing trucks, they knew that there would be seasons where storms came. There would be times when you found yourself in ditches or off of the road. And because they knew that you'd find yourself in ditches or off the road, they designed something that would pull you out of the ditch. Uh, so before the truck got into the storm, it came off the assembly line prepared for the moment of the storm. God help me. Yeah. Uh, before, God help me here, the storm was forecast. Before we knew that the storm was on the way, Ford put something in their trucks. God help me. They called it Built Ford Tough. God help me. Uh, they, they, they use that slogan now, Ananias. They say that the Ford trucks are built Ford Tough. But my, I don't really like that slogan. I like the one they had before this one. They would say Ford trucks were built for the road ahead. God help me. I, and I don't know who I'm preaching to, but Ananias, I want to tell you, that God said in this season of uncertain ministry, you don't know where next is coming from. You don't even know if where you are is where you're supposed to be. And you're praying every single day. But God told me to tell you that if you look down in your soul, God help me, you'll see that you're built for the road ahead. And my father would say, I've seen the lightning flashing. And I've heard, I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sins breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still a fight on. And he promised never to leave me alone. I got to get out of here now, but look at somebody and say, neighbor, say, neighbor. It's your time. God is working on your behalf. He's providentially positioned you. You've got people in peril and you've got a purpose to perform. But at the end of the day, you've been prepared for this moment. God says there's something on the inside of you that God has put there for your people. Don't allow comparison to steal your anointing. You have enough. You are able because when you're weak, he is strong. Ain't God all right? I wish y'all would get happy. But look at somebody and say, neighbor, it's your time. This is your moment. He's waiting on you to say yes to him. 2020 has taken your fight. It's stolen your thunder. You felt like you were going to have to throw in the towel. But God says, I've been waiting on your yes. Is there anybody here that can say God will? Open up a door when I give him a yes. Can I get a witness? Look at somebody and say, That's my testimony. God, open up a door when I gave him my yes. When I opened my mouth and I told the Lord, Yes, he opened the door that no man, no man, no man will be able to shut. He made ways, ain't got no 
out of nowhere. I feel all right now, Dre. Look at somebody that ain't too mean and say, neighbor, God has given you everything you need to tell him yes. What are you waiting on? Open up your mouth and tell him yes. We'd sing these songs, Mamie. Growing up in the church, we'd say, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, yes, Lord, I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart. now, fellas. Huh? Grab somebody huh, that you came to church with. Huh? By the hand, huh? look them in the face huh? and say, neighbor, huh? this year huh? has been full of challenges. Huh? Prophesy to your wife at a night. Huh? Say, this year huh? has been full of struggle. Huh? This year huh? has been full of pain. Huh? But God still taking us higher this year is still gonna be the best year of our lives I prophesy over your week that this week shall be a week of miracles look at your name and say name this week to walk it, but be not dismayed, whatever, 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 whatever be tied, 